Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo and hello everybody, Mike Moynihan here and welcome to another wonderful episode of the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast. And today we're going to dive deep into a couple of players' careers, both their baseball careers and their cardboard careers. And those two great players are Nolan Ryan and Rod Carew. Two greats. And the reason this kind of idea came to me was I've been getting a lot of Rod Carew stuff lately and just really appreciate his career. He's kind of getting up there in age. Nolan Ryan celebrated his 74th birthday last week or maybe even earlier this week. And I just kept thinking, you know, we've lost so many greats lately. And the the time to strike is when the iron, when it's just, when they're still alive, man, get this stuff, get these players, appreciate their careers while they're still here, because it's never going to be cheaper than it is today to get into their stuff. And hopefully you'll hear some stories tonight about each of these players that maybe inspire you to go look for some of the stuff, maybe pick up a couple of autographs or cards or rookies or you name it. And uh, these are two great players. I've, I'm a big Nolan Ryan fan. And so I'm going to be handling that side of it. But to handle the Rod Carew side, I've brought in a Rod Carew fan. And it's George, who's Diamond Yard Sports Cards on YouTube. Hey, George, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's really a pleasure to uh, to join you. Um, and uh, looking forward to this and talking a little Rod Carew and Nolan Ryan. Is it ever bad to talk about cards, like ever? I don't really think so. <laughs> Love it. Takes me back in time. It's wonderful. Yeah, and what's great, especially having you on here, um, first of all, you know, I become you know, good friends over the last, what, year and a half, two years, maybe. Mm-hmm. And your collection is, first of all, absolutely awesome. I love it. I love everything about your collection. It's very right up my alley. We're, we're about the same age. So we grew up in the same era. And so we both got to see these two players play a majority of their career and, and certainly in their glory years, right? So that's why I think we both appreciate them so much. Yeah, it's definitely um, you kind of see the eras and, you know, we maybe were a little younger when they both were really in their prime, but we got a, a good chance to see them. And uh, and frankly, they actually, you know, uh, faced off quite a few times. And we'll talk about that. And uh, yeah, I'm looking to hear what you have to say about Nolan Ryan as well. And this is going to be great. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so why don't you tell everybody real quick where they can find you? uh on youtube or instagram or wherever you're at and just how they can check you out uh well i've had a youtube channel for about three years and it's diamond yard sports cards uh it's on youtube and um 
You could email me if you have any questions or anything like that at azdiamondyard uh, at gmail.com. Uh, I'm not really on any of the other platforms, um, but maybe we'll be we'll do that in the future. We'll see. Um, so I really enjoy YouTube and uh, enjoy the relationships that I've been making, like with you, Mike, and all the guys in the community. Yeah, it's awesome. And uh, I love just everybody has their own little niche and their own expertise, not just in, on YouTube, but really throughout the hobby, right? And so to glean knowledge from others and to learn and to absorb is one of the funnest things about having a community of collectors, period, right? It is. And you have these resources as well. Um, and for example, we were just talking about this before the podcast. I picked up a 74 Carlton Fisk autograph um, and I wanted to make sure it was legit. I thought it was legit. It's raw. And I uh, texted Mike a picture of it. He texted me back. It's good. So I've got almost an expert opinion there. Uh, and so I'll feel pretty good about sending it to PSA. But I've had other a lot of other experiences in the community like this. How do you take cards out of screw downs? How do you, you know, what do you think this is going to get on a grade? So just it's it's a great resource. And more importantly, the friendships are really great too. Uh, For sure. Important part. Absolutely. Uh, what's funny is, you know, on a podcast, it's hard to connect with people that's your audience. But we're going to try really hard tonight by telling some stories and talking about these two great players. And I want you to start with Rod Carew. Uh, I mean, to me, I'll just throw this out there before you just start going nuts on Carew. He was to me, the best hitter of the seventies and eighties, certainly in the American league, like no doubt. And pr probably in the entire major leagues, you could argue Pete Rose, but, I'd love to hear what your take is on Carew. What made you a fan of Rod Carew? Well, uh, first of all, the fan part comes, um, I, I, I went to, or I moved to with my parents and I was really little. I was four years old. We moved to, to Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, we had no baseball team there. But at that time, Phoenix was growing rapidly. And a lot of people from the Midwest were coming out to Phoenix to live in these new communities. And so, uh, one of the older, I found out real quick that if you wanted to get in with the kids in the block, you got to play baseball, you got to play football, and you got to collect cards. <laughs> so I started doing that when I was like four. Well, the favorite player, one of the kids, um, one of the more influential kids on the block, he was from Minnesota, his family was, and they were huge Twins fans. And so not having a baseball team in Arizona, a major league baseball team, uh, you know, you, you, I gravitated towards that and just heard about how great Rod Carew was. Um, so then I just started to follow him. Uh, but you know, you didn't get a lot of the games, um, at, uh, you know, game of the week, maybe Monday night baseball, the old Monday night baseball would be on sometimes. Um, and so you got a lot of your information through and your pictures through baseball cards. Uh, so I started collecting Carew and then, um, he was really, uh, you know, at his prime in that point, um, winning batting titles and, uh, you know, I, I think it is, it is a good argument that he is the, the greatest at least batting average hitter of the seventies. And he's kind of a throwback, you know, a real throwback to the old school guys, you know, a Cobb and speaker and those guys who didn't hit for too much power, but tried to amass as many hits as possible. Yeah. He had what less than a hundred home runs in his entire career, like 92 home runs or something like that. And cause I was looking up his stats before we got here, but I, <laughs> the most amazing thing that I, when I looked at his baseball reference page, he made the all-star team every single season that he played, except his last one in 1985. I thought that was insane. Insane. Yeah, I, think, I think there was a common um, understanding among a lot of the great players at the time that, that he was, you know, just, he was the all-star second baseman for the American league. 
And I think it started really early because he first came up in April of uh, 1967. And so his tops card, uh, his rookie card, wouldn't be issued, obviously, until the end of the season. And that's why it's a little bit more expensive because it's a high number, uh, right. you know, Mike, like Seaver too. Um, and that's his most valuable card, uh, typically. Um, real condition sensitive because the centering is really bad on the 67 cards and the fish eyes you get and the print marks and the backs are constantly tilted. Um, but anyway, so when he came up, he immediately made an impact. And uh, like, for example, I've got a card right here. It's a 68 all-star Carew. And uh, this just shows you right here from the 60, you know, he, he 67 season. So I think right away, you know, he won rookie of the year. Uh, and so he was already getting awards. Um, but you're right. His home run totals were really low uh, because he was, I think, really tried to focus on just getting as many hits as possible and, and hitting it where they weren't. Like we Willie Keeler used to say, hit them where they ain't. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember Rod Carew, just all-star teams. And whenever you would vote, remember we used to vote with, by punching out the all-star ballots. Remember that? Yep. And it was never a question who the second baseman was. Rod Carew, poke poke the hole in the, in the ballot. And he started actually of those, however many all-star games it was, he only, he started all of them, but three, which means he was voted in by the fans back then. It was complete fan vote. And, uh, Got my I, right now. I just loved doing that. I remember that as a kid, like voting on, like it was a, it was an honor to get to vote for the all-star team and put your ballot in the little box at the ballpark, you know? And, mm-hmm. God, well, I remember that. And li- living in Phoenix, you know, we didn't have a team. So until the Diamondbacks came, I didn't really have a chance to vote unless I went to a ball game in like San Diego or something with my grandfather. But I would always look in the paper. You know, you'd see they'd have the, the box scores, but then you'd also have the every I think it was every Sunday. They had a lengthy list of all the hitters and their batting averages. And I mean, everybody in the league. Right. Uh, and then they'd also the all- update on the all star voting. So I, that's how I followed it. And then watching Twib notes on Saturdays before game of the week okay. and stuff like that. Mel um, Allen. Yes, sir. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, so Carew, obviously, you just said it is rookie card 1967. He's got cards all the way. His last tops card is 1986 tops. And you know, he was he he kind of bridged a gap. So didn't Ryan, too, which is going to be fun to talk about, but. He was tops, 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 tops. He bridged a gap into, you know, the Fleer Donruss era as well. Uh, so he's got just tons of cards out there, right? Yeah, he does. Um, you have to talk about the the Karuk. Well, first of all, I want to say that this is just my opinion, and I think probably people who are of my age who are collectors probably feel somewhat similarly that Karu is is a real value, a real value. He's he's undervalued in the hobby. I think. Um, I totally agree. Totally agree. You know, the, when you really think about the numbers, um, seven batting titles, uh, only Tony Gwynn. Uh, Tony Gwynn has eight. Um, Ty Cobb, I believe, has 12. Um, Hannes Wagner is ahead of him. Um, so, you know, you're talking about somebody who is mentioned with those names in the, in the, in the sport. Uh, there are very, very few people who can, who can say that. Um, MVP. Uh, rookie of the year, um, the only man to hit two triples in one all-star game. Uh, also stole home um, seven times in 1969. Uh, that's a funny story because Billy Martin 
started coaching or it was the manager of the twins. It was his first year and he wanted to make a big impact. So he worked with Carew, try to teach him how to steal home, you know, and Martin was such an aggressive guy. <laughs> so, uh, and, and Carew stole home, I think it was seven times, um, which was looked at as the record. I believe Ty Cobb got, had stolen home seven times, but subsequently they gave him an extra steal of home. But um, from the all times, the all time leaders of steals of home, uh, Cobb's number one, but the only player born after Jackie Robinson that's in the top 20 is Rod Carew. So, you know, you did a lot of different things. Um, and as a, a player from kind of a bygone style, like I'd said, um, with his cards, uh, you know, you have a lot of tops issues throughout the 70s. You also have the tops all-star cards uh, that he was on. And because he won all the batting titles, he's on a lot of leaders cards. I mean, he's on, you know, every leaders card for batting average. Um throughout the 70s <laughs> so yeah. that's seven leaders cards he's on what's what are some of your favorites like that you have either in your collection or is there a crew card you don't have that you'd like to get i know that's a bunch of questions you can answer them in whatever order you feel like um you know there's crew cards that i don't that i would like to get in a higher grade um i have some that are ungraded you know some that are graded uh but for, for, you know, you have the, the rookie card, obviously, like I had, I had talked about before. Um, and it's, you know, it's funny on the rookie card here, the guy right there, Hank Allen to Carew's, to Carew's left is Richie Allen's brother. <laughs> so that was kind of an interesting fact that I, I, I came about. But my, um, my favorite cards, I mean, there's so many. 71 Tops, I think, is a great card. Uh, it really, you know, is a great set in general. And, uh you know, I, I like that pose right there. He's just, you know, very happy. Um, you've got a bunch of Kellogg's cards as well. Um, 72 tops is, is one of my favorites as well. It's also a high number and one of his most desirable ones. Um, and I'm a big fan of the 72 style of the cards. Yeah, um, absolutely. So that's, you know, I, I like so many of them, honestly. The Ryan of the 72 is a fantastic looking card as well. Um, so I think that, you know, you can't go wrong, uh, with some of those early seventies cards, but in higher grades, they're getting, uh, more and more expensive. Uh, even an eight or something like that is, is getting more expensive. Do you think um, that, do you think that's a product of Carew being recognized or just the crazy market we're in and everything's all hall of famer stuff is just kind of going nuts. Yeah. You know, uh, I think with the passing of, of, Henry Aaron and and then you know you saw when Aaron passed recently May's cards jumped way up um you know and I know you did a podcast on this as well and the impact of a player's passing on on the values and I think people are saying hey you know now's the time to pick up that Johnny Bench rookie now's the time to pick up that Carew rookie and uh you know the nicer centered copies are going to go with the ones that have you know so I I think that I think that's probably has a lot to do with it um Fortunately or unfortunately, I mean, it is what it is, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm, I happen to have two Carew rookies, one just by itself, and I think it's a four. Mm -hmm. And then I have a Carew rookie that's actually autographed, and it's a five. The card's a five. The auto's a ten. Beautiful and card. I the, the autographs, and that's, that's something that I think right now, Autographs aren't going nuts like regular cards are. And I may be, you know, letting the cat out of the bag here, but maybe I'll start something. But it just shocks <laughs> me 
that autographs are more rare than cards, right? There's there's fewer signed Carew rookies than there are Carew rookies, right? Does that make like you know what I mean? And so the fact that these aren't, it's not that it's it is more expensive than a regular Carew rookie in a similar grade, but it's not crazy more expensive. And that's kind of true across the autograph landscape. It just boggles my mind that the autographs have just not blown up. And mm. I don't know if his kids don't care, you know, the these 20 somethings that are really driving a lot of this craziness and, or the higher, higher end stuff. I don't know. I'm not complaining because I'm an autograph collector. I don't, and you are too, I know. So it's mm -hmm. like, okay, it can stay cheap for me. That's no problem. It, it just kind of surprises me that the autographs and Carew's, He's a prolific signer, right? He's signed his, he's a, he's a prolific signer. He does the, he's done the national before. Uh, he does, he has a lot of signed cards out there. Yeah, and he does. You can get those for, I would say any, anything under 40 bucks, you're getting a good deal on a Carew auto, you know, an on-card Carew autograph. I think that's mm -hmm. a good deal. And that's, to me, that's cheap, you know, um, for a guy, a player of his caliber and, his career. Uh, how many do you have crew autographs in your collection? I do. Um, uh, I've got, well, I've got an eight by 10 that I got autographed from him when I was a kid at spring training back in, back in, uh, that's awesome. The, so the, he autographed that along with a ball that I had had, um, real nice. I mean, just a real nice guy. Uh, we waited after practice and, uh, his car was the only one there. He was last one there. He had a Porsche and on the back of the Porsche had his license plate was RC 29. And so we waited and he came out and he had a bunch of bags. You know, I'm 48 years old telling you about this story. So, you know, right. it made an impact on me, but it, you know, he had all these bags and he put them down and he sat there. I he signed two things for me and two for my buddy. He asked if we had any more. Um, and he started talking to us, you know, like typical ball players would. And, you know, uh, that's been my experience with him. And, and, you know, you hate to hear about ball players, you know, people, kids having bad experiences, but really haven't heard much bad about Rod Carew at all. Um, so he's he's very friendly guy. Um, so that, I have that one. I have um, a couple others. I have a on card auto, legendary cuts, lasting legends, um, and it's a jersey. But I think these can be had pretty cheaply, uh, which I think is another reason why uh, it's. Carew is real. It's a real, it's a real friendly player to collect. You know, um, it's not breaking the bank, and uh, and then you can go out and get his cards. And it's not going to break the bank either, frankly. Um, you can yeah. get a rookie card. What uh, what is a four? A four goes a four or five. Maybe now going for somewhere in the neighborhood of four or five hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, you know, and not bad. you also got to think. I mean, he's seventy five years old, right? And. Uh, What's also cool is the two players, both you and I are about the same age and the two players we're talking about are about the same age, which is uh, always, <laughs> I guess that's the point is these players made such an indelible impact on us as young baseball fans. Mm -hmm. And that just carries on and carries on And our generation. We know this is part of the whole explosion in the card market is our generation is now getting to the point where we have more disposable income. We're, we're wanting to relive the past a little bit and connect to that. And this is a great way to do it. Cause we all remember getting these cards when we were kids and mm -hmm. that's what's, I think that's a big part of what's happening in the market. I agree with you completely. I mean, I'll give you an example related to Carew. Um, 
1977. You know, it's it's interesting how Hall of Famers and Inner Circle Hall of Famers, you know, you kind of look at what their accomplishments are. And you have a lot of great Hall of Famers, but they never had that signature season. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of guys who are not making the Hall of Fame right now who never had a signature season. And that it's kind of a big deal on your resume, I think, as a, as a prospective Hall of Famer. Well, Carew in 1977 won the MVP, as you know, Mike, and a lot of the listeners know. But, you know, just from a, a reminiscent perspective, that's in May of that summer, Star Wars came out. Rod Carew right. was assaulting 400 that summer. Um, that summer, Rod Carew was on the cover of Time magazine, which, you know, at the time is like the biggest magazine in the country, other than maybe that in life, probably. Um, and he tells a funny story about this, how he had the day before the light, uh, Time magazine shoot, he had uh, played a baseball game and he had fouled the ball off home plate. It came back up, hit him in the lip. And his lip was all swollen, and he had to put ice on it for three hours before the shoot, which was happening four hours later. And so he's right. going to cover my magazine, and he's like, he points that you can still see my lip right there. It's red. So yeah. that was kind of funny. But also in that season, Reggie um, Reggie was having a great year as well, uh, and then would go on to be Mr. October, become officially become Mr. October, right, with the three home runs in one game. But Carew and him were talking late in the season. And, you know, Carew was hitting around 400 and having his best season yet. And, uh, you know, Reggie said, well, I'm going to win the MVP. And Rod said, I don't know, Jack, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I might win it this year. And Carew ended up, of course, winning it um, with his best season yet. Yeah, and he hit 388 for the year, uh, which is hard to imagine. Uh, what what would that – what kind of media craziness would that create today, right, if somebody was – pursuing 400. Yeah, I, I still think it would, you know, if you, you know, reflecting back on the Sosa Maguire home run race, that was, I mean, regardless of the, the surrounding circumstances, everybody in the nation was fascinated by that. And if somebody was going after 400, I think you'd have the same kind of thing because, and that's a whole, that's a quest for a whole season, just like hitting the home run record all, all for the whole right. season. Um, you know, maybe Tony Gwynn could have done it. He, you know, he was the closest right since '94. Yeah, he was three ninety four and in '94, but right before yeah. the strike. Yeah, yeah. And, but I, I don't think anybody will ever hit four hundred again. Honestly, it might be more difficult when you consider all the relief pitching. Right, that's the matchups. Um, I was watching a thing about Nolan Ryan. I was I was watching the highlights of the 19, uh, the American league championship series of 1979. It was Ryan versus Palmer in the first game of the series. And I just was like, it was like the third inning and the announcer said something like Nolan Ryan has only given up a lead twice in his career in the eighth and ninth inning. That just blew my mind. Wow. First of all, that he was, he's pitching that much, right? He's pitching complete right. game after complete game, but he's essentially throughout the seventies, late sixties and early seventies, he was more effective than most than the closer, you know, he hadn't right. blown any games. Yeah. I guess that we can start talking about Nolan Ryan a little bit because growing up in Texas, Nolan Ryan was, I mean, bigger than life. I mean, an absolute legend in this state. And when he got, you know, he started with the Mets as a, as a young, you know, wild rookie and, couldn't couldn't find the strike zone if he had a you know map and a and a compass and he you know figured that out a little bit he got traded to uh 
yeah, traded or was he a free agent to the Angels? I can't remember. It's not you know, I didn't. I didn't know. I, I looked up the, how he got to Houston and the circumstances surrounding that because that's where he and Carew actually intersect. Their careers intersect finally. But yeah. I didn't know. I, I didn't recall how he went. I, I didn't recall why the Mets, you know, let him go. I might have been control issues at the time. I'm not sure. Well, he'd certainly had those. Uh, blazing speed, you know, that was never an issue for him in terms of his fastball. But he went to the Angels and he just flourishes, right? He sets the single season strikeout record, beats, you know, goes past Koufax. Um, just amazing case. He, he ironically, I did some homework on this because Kurt Schilling, you know, didn't get in the Hall of Fame this year. And I was like, you know what? I looked at Kurt Schilling's career more in depth. And the truth is that Kurt Schilling had just about as good a career as Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan's just lasted 10 seasons longer. You know? <laughs> and that's the truth. I mean, Nolan Ryan, quite frankly, he was a barely above 500 pitcher record-wise. Mm-hmm. But because of the just astronomical, mind-boggling strikeouts that he did, I mean, he struck out. 300 batters when he was 40 <laughs> in a season, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, he did things that the no hitters that, you know, every time, you know, it, Sandy Koufax in his prime, Nolan Ryan in his prime, they could have thrown a no hitter. You never knew when they were going to do it. It could happen any night, you know, depending on what was going on. Yeah. And, their careers did intersect um, it with the, the 383 strikeout year. Um, I believe his last start of the year, from what I read, he was pitching against the Minnesota Twins. And, you know, he I guess they, he let up three runs early in the game. Uh, and then he went on to, like, strike out the side, like, two or three, two, two consecutive innings. And then um, the Angels came back. And then the game went in. He did not break the record yet. The Angels, or the game went to extra innings, and Ryan was still pitching. Wow. And then he got the 383rd strikeout in extra innings. And I believe they won. I'm not sure if they won the game or not, but that was the, the amazing thing to me. Again, you know, his pitch counts were crazy. Um, I re, I I remember an interview with Tom Seaver, and they were asking Tom Seaver what your what was your pitch count, and he said, "I don't know. We didn't keep track." He said it probably was somewhere around like I don't know, 130, 140, and then they said, "Well, what was Nolan's?" And he said, "I don't know, 160." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's nuts. And people think being a strikeout pitcher actually takes more work. It, you could you throw a lot more pitches, ironically, than a guy that a Greg Maddox guy that throws a you know a, a moving sinking fastball that creates a lot of ground balls. You know, and he's around the strike zone. Nolan wasn't. He walked a lot of guys too, right? And so you're walking guys, lots of pitches, wear and tear, and yet he pitched 27 seasons. Uh, Mike, did, you grew up in Texas, right? I did. So was it when no was it when Nolan Ryan came to the Astros that you really began to see him even more and just that became a bigger fan or how did of course. That yeah, because that was uh what nineteen eighty. He came to Houston. He was the first player to ever receive a million dollar contract, a million dollars. Uh that was a big deal. And you know, Houston brought him home. I mean, he's from Alvin, Texas, which is outside of Houston. And so that was a that was a huge deal for the state. But I'll tell you, I really became a Ryan fan when he became a Texas Ranger. Mm -hmm. And I think the Astros basically thought he was finished. Mm -hmm. No one said, no, I'm not. And his work, work ethic and 
and was just unbelievable. And it, the stories were that were told of how he would stay. He was always the last guy to leave and in the gym and working out in between starts, et cetera, et cetera, which is how he got to pitch so long and stay dominant, you know, into his forties, um, his incredible work ethic. And he just had a arm that was, you know, a, a spaghetti string. He just didn't, I mean, he had injuries late in his career for sure. I mean, it wasn't like he, he pitched, you know, full seasons, but in terms of, I bet no one, I bet no one in the history of baseball threw more pitches than Nolan Ryan in their career. Uh, and his, his cardboard career is incredibly prolific because he starts in 68. He's on the famous, you know, dual, uh, rookie card with Jerry Kuzman, who also had a tremendous baseball career as well. Longtime pitcher in the major leagues. So you got the Kuzman Ryan rookie card on 68. Not a cheap card anymore. Yeah, there's yours. Yeah. There we go. Same thing. Bought this thing at a show. Here, let's put them up. Three years ago of a guy. Yeah, there you go. Double Nolans. Double Nolans. It, it's kind of one of those cards that I think a lot of people have in their collections, right? I mean, it's kind of that it's a very iconic card and has been for a long, long, long time. Uh, and so it's been a well-known rookie card for as long as I can remember. And yeah, I, I think kind of the, what you were saying about Nolan Ryan going to the Rangers and you becoming such a huge fan at that point, even a greater fan, you know, and I remember, you know, we're about the same age and I can just remember how Ryan was just, I mean, to strike out 300 guys at that age, to be that dominating. I was playing fantasy baseball with my friends, and we'd look. He'd be at the bar. I'd look, and Ryan was pitching, and he has, like, you know, 13 strikeouts. And you're like, how does a guy who's 42 <laughs> strike out 13 guys? And he would do it in, like, seven, six and a third, you know, something right. like that. Um, so, you know, I think when he went to the Texas Rangers and elongated his career, he threw, what, two more no-hitters in, in Texas? He did, and five thousand strikeouts, three hundred wins. You know, he hit he hit all those milestones in Texas. In fact, he was the first player inducted to the Hall of Fame wearing a Texas Rangers cap, which kind of surprised me, honestly. When that, you know, because the player has some choice in it, it's not completely up to them, uh, but mostly up to them, I guess. And he yeah. chose he wanted to be a Ranger because of the accomplishments that he achieved at wearing you know the red white and blue of the rangers he is just and, and a super nice guy he went on to be a part owner of the president of the rangers a part owner of the rangers and he would come to the ballpark every day you could stand outside of the ballpark and when he came to the office you could he would sign autographs and just a super great guy even though at this point he's a hall of famer you know i mean good grief he's He's just a super, super great guy. Uh, but continuing through his cardboard, you know, he has his 68 card. And then, you know, that's a shared rookie card, just like Carew's, which a lot of collectors don't like multiplayer rookie cards. And and I get it. You know, you want a solo image of that player and that makes sense. But so Carew's next card, or not Carew, sorry, Ryan, was the 69 tops. Very famous pose. In fact, it was used this year for... Uh, Project 2020 as one of the iconic cards that they used for that for tops. And this 69 tops 
I happen to have one that's signed by Nolan Ryan and it's got a, mine has a inscription on it. It says miracle Mets because 69, of course the Mets went to the world series. They'd been, you know, doormats of the national league and they won the world series behind Tom Seaver. Nolan Ryan wasn't very critical. In fact, he only pitched one game in the world series, ironically, but it was, he saved that game. Uh, but he wasn't a huge factor on that team. He, he was still young and trying to figure things out in the major leagues. Then you got cards like his iconic 1970 tops, which is, I think a semi high number. No, it's a high number in 70 tops. So that's a very, his 70 tops is really expensive. 69 tops is pretty expensive because it's his first solo card, just as Carew's 68 tops is very sought after. Cause it's not only his first solo card, it's a cup card. You know, he's got a, the tops rookie cup on that card. Right. And, uh, and, uh, you back with me, George? Yeah, I am. Okay. Um, but the crew card, the crew 68 has the rookie cup, right? It does. You know, the rookie cups have become such a, um, a collectible thing recently. You know, it's, it's very, it's very interesting to me, but, uh, I always thought this was a, a really nice image rookie cup, um, and I think it's undervalued as well. I mean, you can get a copy, probably, you know, a seven, a higher, higher grade. You know, these days, a, a seven of a 1960s card is, is a pretty solid grade and sure. uh, you can get it reasonably. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a rookie cup. Did Ryan was how was his rookie year? Do you do you recall, um, Mike? Yeah, he was uh, not that great. Uh, honestly, his first few seasons actually were unremarkable, really. Uh, then he just exploded, and with once he went to the Angels, it was a whole new ball game for him. But you know, he has the his last Mets card is the '71 tops, which and then he's got Angels cards through the '70s. His first tops card officially is '81 tops on the on the Astros, and then but he actually has an '80 tops card. The Burger King card is yep. His his real first card, <clears throat> the Astros, and uh, I have that card as well. But it's it's amazing. His his career was so long. His last tops card was ninety four tops. And what's great is he he retired the same year as Robin Yount and George Brett, all of which went into the Hall of Fame class of nineteen ninety nine. I mean, what a great class! You got three amazing players, different players, right? Different kinds of players. And so the, that longevity within cardboard, just, there's just so many cards you can get. In fact, his PSA set registry, just his basic set registry. It's a, it's called his basic and collector issues set is 145 cards. <laughs> like, wow. Um, his master set is which is a master set on a set registry is just their playing days cards, not anything issued, you know, post career mm -hmm. is almost 2,400 cards large. Cause Nolan Ryan was on everything. Remember in the, in the nineties, especially the, the late eighties, early nineties tops even did a commemorative set in 1990, you know, the first, just like they had done with Pete Rose, they had did it, done it with Hank Aaron in 74. Mm -hmm. Did a, they didn't do it exactly the same where they showed all of his tops cards, but they had a Nolan Ryan base card, a Nolan Ryan with the Mets card, a Nolan Ryan with the Angels, Astros, and Rangers. 
Yeah, they had the same thing with Carew in 91 Bowman. They had uh, like a five or six card set. I guess that's the issue with uh, Pudge's rookie and uh, Jones and, and Tomei. And they had a Carew set in there. And I know, I remember that, was it 19, was it 1990? I had a Ryan here somewhere from 1990 tops and it goes through his career as well. So I can, yeah. it just seemed like they had, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't just cards either. You know, um, I was doing some research on the candy lids and John Mangini had a video about the 1973 and 72 candy lids, uh, tops candy lids that were, you know, really rare. There were Slurpee coins. There were yep. Donruss had the large big cards. I mean, there was so much collectible stuff between these two players during these two eras. Yeah, they went through all the junk wax era together, right? Well, Carew finished in 86, but so he was at the very beginning of it. Nolan went through all of it. I mean, you could get Nolan Ryan's picture on damn near anything. And uh, even all the Broder cards, you know, the fake cards that weren't real cards, but somebody mm -hmm. just took a picture and turned it into a card. There were tons and tons of those. Uh, what's great about Nolan Ryan even today, and again, he just turned 74, so don't let this opportunity pass you by, but Nolan Ryan signs through the mail, through his foundation, $75. No, and to no. me, that is an absolute steal. You can buy his autographs for cheaper, but you can get a Nolan Ryan autograph on what you want, right? That's a flat is $75 for, so a picture or a card or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they will, I have one here just to show you what it looks like. So here's a, this is an old tops co-signers card or whatever, but you can see at the bottom, it's signed by Nolan Ryan. And on the back, when they, when they do that, anytime you send a Nolan Ryan item in, they're going to give you this little Nolan Ryan hologram that they'll put on each item that he signs. So, you know, it's legit. And Nolan has such a beautiful signature. Uh, it's iconic looking signature. He signs the same every time. And uh, there's tons of Ryan stuff out there. I mean, he's, he's again, a prolific signer, just like Rod Carew was. But that doesn't mean you should fall asleep on it either. His stuff is, is relatively expensive just because of the popularity. He's so popular in the hobby. He's, he's, He's his era is Mickey Mantle in terms of the hobby popularity, I would argue. Yeah, I, I agree with I agree with that. When you look at the, you know, we were talking before the podcast of who, you know, the greater greatest pitchers of the 70s and in the 80s, you know, Carlton, Steve Carlton, Jim Palmer, uh, Tom, Steve, Bieber, yeah. um, you know, among others, you know, you've got Catfish Hunter and you've got all, all these, you know, other great pitchers, but he um, his longevity makes his records untouchable. I mean, is anybody ever going to get to 5,700 strikeouts? It's it's not, I mean, it's like getting Cy Young's wins total. It's just impossible right. in my mind, especially these days, you know, starting pitchers are uh, pitching five innings. Um, so he, he's just, you know, he became this Mickey Mantle and his records became almost Ruthian, you know, in a, in a way. Uh, yeah. And I think you see that in his cards, the, the value of his cards um, just continue to rise and, uh, you know, Early card, like uh, here's an example of one I had. You showed a 69 off, and this is one I picked up early last year, a 69 Ryan. And I tried to get in as high of a grade as I could, um, but I probably wouldn't buy this card at this point because it's gone up, you know. Um, I mean, like everything has, not everything, but but Ryan, I think, is just a another. I think, I think it's still a great investment, though. I mean, he's he's got records that are never going to be broken. Yeah. You know, Ryan, I think. 
even as much of a fan as I am, I still think was he the greatest pitcher of the seventies and eighties or in even early nineties. Um, there are people that say, yes, I, I don't know that. I don't know that that's true. And mainly for me, it's more of a, a wins issue because people say wins don't matter. And, and I'm like, well, isn't that the point of playing the game is to win the game. And with pitchers pitching the way that they did in that era, unlike today, today you could say that a pitcher's wins may or may not reflect accurately how good of a pitcher he is. Jacob DeGrom. Right. Jacob DeGrom. Felix Hernandez won in mm-hmm. Cy Young with an under 500 record, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's different today, but remembering back when I was, I mean, 20 wins was a big deal when, when we were kids, right? Yeah. And that showed not always because Carlton won 27 games on a team that won 54 or whatever it was mm-hmm. with, uh, with the Phillies or the Cardinals. I can't remember. Yeah, it's 1972. Yeah. So that, but that's, that's an anomaly. That was an anomaly in that era. If you won 20 games, you were leading your team to, you know, success, maybe not necessarily a pennant, but you were, you were a above 500 team and that kind of thing. Of course, unless you were the Orioles, and you had four guys that won 20 games in the season, right? Yeah. Uh, they had a, they had a stacked offense and they had a great manager. And I mean, you know, if you got Frank Robinson, you get a chance to win. <laughs> like, right. Robinson. And uh, yeah. to, to your point about Ryan and the wins, I agree with you. They're very important. They're important in that era, in my opinion. Um, uh, and, and I think it has a lot to do his his maybe lack of lack of what you would think. You would think he would have more wins. I mean, he's on the California Angels, and the, the California Angels are just a a team that is lacking in, in talent. And and he's really doing well for this team. Um, was his ERA the lowest? Did he win a pitching triple crown? No, he never did. But the 393 strikeouts, I mean, that's beyond amazing. But, you know, he didn't – I don't know if he had a choice to go to go to the Angels or not. Uh, and then finally when he did get the choice to go somewhere in 1980, um, you know, it, it was important to get paid appropriately because, you know, free agency was real new. And he right, he was the first million-dollar player – and the guy who was the highest paid player in 1979, right before Nolan Ryan got became the highest paid player, was Roger. Yeah. So you know, it's and that was the only time they ever were together. They That's they right. they intersected only. They they were. He Carew had the second most at bats um, against Ryan of anybody all time. Brett had the first uh, the most amount of at bats, and uh, their careers finally intersected in 1979 when they were on the Angels together. And the Angels uh, won their division, um, and then lost to the Orioles in the in the uh, ALCS. Uh, Ryan went on to uh, Houston and got paid a lot of money. I think Carew had signed an eight hundred thousand dollar contract, like, um, but that was another story. And, and he ended up getting uh, traded to the to the Angels. It was going to be the Yankees, uh, but that didn't work out. And George Steinbrenner didn't want to pay Carew. Um, and uh, and then eventually it, it ended up it was the Giants or the uh, Angels crew was going to go to ended up being the Angels. Uh, Gene Autry didn't mind spending money to get players, uh, which he would later. You know, get Reggie, get Doug DeSensei, get you know all these really great Don offers. Sutton. Don great. Sutton, yes. But I would say my like if I was to kind of try to think about my favorite Nolan Ryan cards, my favorite Nolan Ryan card is 
in 1989 upper deck. He has a high number card where he is throwing a football. And I think that is one of those just amazing back then in the eighties, the Rangers pitching coach was a guy named Tom house who to that point was probably most famous for catching Aaron's 715th home run in the bullpen at Atlanta Fulton County stadium. But he was the Rangers pitching coach. And one of the drills that he had all the Rangers pitchers do was throw the football, because if you can throw, suppose this is, this was Tom house's theory that if you can throw a football with a perfect spiral, then you are using the correct mechanics to throw a baseball. And so the Rangers pitchers would just sit around and toss the football around. And there's this great iconic snapshot of Nolan Ryan throwing a football uh, on that 89 upper deck high number card. And uh, I remember wanting his Rangers card so bad. He was in 89 tops traded as a Ranger. That was his first Rangers card and wanting to have that card. I have it now in a, in a gym mint 10 just because not because it's necessarily valuable, but, it's valuable to me. Um, and those 89 upper deck, the 89 upper deck high number, his 89 upper deck regular card is with the, with the Astros. And it's another great card. Cause it's one of those uh, multi picture, you know, cards like a multi exposure cards. Uh, great card. Is this the one you're talking about, Mike? Yes. That's the one I'm talking about. That's it right there. The 89 upper deck. Nolan yeah. Ryan. I didn't even, I'd forgotten about this card and, and that, it even existed and before we you know a couple days ago i just started going through ryan stuff and i was like wow this is a very cool card it's got at least three pictures on it yeah it's really cool um, and then so he was in the upper deck. he even made it to the upper deck era and then the score and you know all the new manufacturers that were leaf and all that kind of stuff he has cards you know so many different cards uh and, and stadium club. I mean, you name it. He, he bridged so many eras of, of cardboard. Um, but that, that's probably my favorite. I love any of the vintage stuff. You know, uh, the, I have a 72, which you, you mentioned earlier, how much you love a 72 tops. Um, I have one of those somewhere here. I don't know where it went. Maybe I don't, but he's got some great, you know, autograph stuff. I mentioned how his autographs, these, Beautiful, like Donra Signature Series cards from 98. And these can be had 100 bucks, probably. Sometimes maybe a little less, sometimes maybe a little more. But to me, that's still not crazy uh, for for a player of that legendary stature, right? Oh, uh, I, I, I agree with you completely. Uh, here's one I picked up. This cost me $80. It's an 84 Donruss Nolan uh, Ryan in a Gem Mint 10. The card's okay. I mean, you know, I'm not grading the card, but it, it's a nice, it's, you know, the classic Donner set and it, it's a great signature. Um, it's not inscribed, but uh, yeah, $80. I, I mean, I thought, wow, that's, that's a steal. I can't turn that down. I remember you getting that card and showing it and, and me being quite jealous actually of you having that. I was, I loved it. I was like, and oh, Donner's, man. man, if you could find in 84, if you could find Donner's packs, you were lucky. Yeah. That's uh, a great 75 tops nolan ryan i have signed as well now his player era cards signed are are relatively pricey you're gonna pay well over 100 bucks for some of those especially the earlier top stuff but again you know 
he's not getting any younger. Neither is Carew. And we, we just really want to try to highlight some of these players that not that people forget about, um, but I think people are paying so much attention these days to the high, high end of the market, the super big cards, uh, the rookie cards. Stuff like, that. like you said about Carew, there's, Great ways to collect Nolan. There's plenty of cheap, relatively cheap Nolan Ryan stuff you can go get if you want to get some players of one of the greats of all time, right? Yeah, right. and and you know, and from a reverse perspective, you know, these are also you know you can get cheap. They they both played so long that that you can get cheap cards of both of them, but you, and you can also get investment cards of both of them. And I'm not just talking about rookies. You know, um, here's an example: a nice '74 Carew and a PSA nine. This card was almost nothing like two years ago. And now, you know, I don't know. It's probably a couple hundred bucks. Um, right. You know, the cards that you can, you know, you, you can still invest in, in players like this too, you know, maybe get a high grade. I love the all-star banner on these cards, an 81. Yeah. An 80, this is probably my favorite Nolan Ryan card is the 1980 Nolan Ryan. Um, the all-star banner is so cool. And uh, he didn't, you know, there were so many great pitchers, and when they did the all-star banner thing, it was only one pitcher, right, in the American League and one pitcher in the National League. So you had to be the best pitcher pretty much. Right. So um, I have three of that 80 tops, Nolan Ryan slab. So much. <laughs> um, <Great. laughs> I, I love it. So, yeah, I mean, first of all, George, thanks for coming on with me and, and just talking through this, and we both got to share some great – stories and cardboard and you name it about these two great players. Any final thoughts you want to throw out there for people? Well, I want to thank you again for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's just a lot of fun to hang out and talk cards and especially of, you know, great players like this who span so much, have so many eras. Um, so, you know, I, I just think, you know, you, you keep trying to, I mean, it's, 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 it's time to learn more about these, these, these great older players um, if you're younger, it's, it's time to look them up a little bit, you know, not, not don't wait until they pass away, uh, you know, look at what they did. Um, you know, you'll be, you'll be shocked, you know, when you see Carew's name along with Cobb, Wagner, Ted Williams, Stan Musial regarding batting titles. Or when you look at Renolan Ryan and the strikeouts and how much farther he is up the, I mean, there's a big difference between him and Randy Johnson and Absolutely. Roger Clemens, you know, uh, so I really appreciate you having me on, Mike. Um, it's been a lot of fun, and, and I hope we can do it again sometime. You bet. Well, everybody out there, man, thanks for listening. Everybody watching, if you're on YouTube, you know, leave some comments down below. Let us know what you thought about this episode. Let us know what players you might want to see me uh, highlight again or in the future episodes of Golden Age of Cardboard Podcast. So until the next time, hope everybody out there has a great one. Keep collecting.